So tonight is May 29th, 2019. And tonight's message is entitled, Ring of Fire. You guys ready to hear about what it means to be in a ring of fire? Yeah. Think back over the last few weeks. I just want to take you back for a moment to some of our recent messages. In the message entitled Promise Keeper, J.J. and Andrew encouraged us that we need to continue in the words already given. Now, it's easy to say that, church, but how important is it that we remember the promises he's spoken, both individually and in his word, and hold on to those regardless of what comes against us? Amen? Amen. Then in the message Desperation, Pastor Wade showed us that we have to train our soul and flesh to hunger after him desperately if we want to change. Do you want to change, church? Do you want to leave here tonight the same way you came in? Or do you want... No, you want to be transformed by the power of God. In the message, Majority Rules, Pastor Eric taught us that we are never at a disadvantage. Because just one man filled with the Spirit of God is the apex predator. Amen? Amen. And in From Sheep to Shepherd, the pastor showed us that we are responsible to shepherd the sheep. Let me ask you, church, does that mean your life is just your own? No, No, because your life impacts each and every person around you. Amen? Amen? As we listen to tonight's message, remember that we're all parts of one body. Both the folks that are here today and the folks that in desperation you're going to go bring into this body going forward. Make sure that you're applying what we have tonight, what the Lord gave us, and you don't leave here unchanged. As we start tonight, let's say we want fruit. Can you say we want fruit? We want want to produce. We want faithfulness over time. Remember you said that. As we talk about what it means to be in a ring of fire, remember what you just professed with your mouth. Because let me tell you, as my brother and I are putting a message together just a couple hours ago, putting the finishing touches on it, (laughs) it's challenging me. I just hope that tonight we can convey that same impact to you. Let's start by putting Matthew 13, verse 18 through 23 up on the screen, please. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places, is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. Church, can we afford to be without roots? No. Can we afford to go without walking this process? No. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is like the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, 
or 30 times what was sown. As we start tonight, we know that Satan is a lying liar. And he'll seek to steal the seed that was sown in faith. Are you going to let him steal it, church? Come on, say it again. Satan is a lying liar. He's been lying for a long time. Might be lying to us tonight. But we got the truth, so we ain't worried about that. See, I got here on my paper, I got here on a piece of paper that there's something that keeps us from reaching the fullness. But I'm amending that. Because it ain't going to stop LCM. Nothing is going to stop us from reaching the fullness that God has for us. Because y'all tenacious. Pastor Matt called it. Y'all, y'all are forceful. So we're going to force our way on through. Now, in Matthew 13, we, we've heard that scripture again and again about the, 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 the four souls. And there is a, a pattern of disobedience, of unfaithfulness that has to be broken. Tonight, looking at that scripture, do you see some area in your life? Where the cares and the worries of, of this world are kind of getting a hold of you. Where, you, where you. where there's some deception going on. The enemy might even be lying to you. Telling you that you didn't hear what God said. Or that God's not going to come through on what he's already said. We're doing away with all that tonight. I know that I want to break the cycle of disobedience, half-hearted response, and failing to attain to the full measure of what God has done in me. Amen. Am I the only one? No, we're not going to stay there. Tonight, we're going to share what the Lord has been showing us about how to never, ever be disadvantaged, never disenfranchised, never a hashtag, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and to desperately seek his face and make disciples in the kingdom, because that's what we're called to do. We're not called to make Christians. We're called to make disciples. But I want to pose a question as it was posed to me. What do you do? When you see something in your life that, an area that you don't like, maybe you, you're inconsistent. Maybe it's this, this one thing that keeps getting at you. It may not be making you sin, but you're not performing how you want to do. What, what do you do? How do you respond? Right, Nick? You blow up, or maybe you just fall apart. Lose hope, kind of lose a, bit, lose a little bit of steam. We, we've been there. But the Lord is saying tonight, because of the truth that he's spoken, that cycle is done away with. It's cast into the grave. That's not what he's called, to, called us to do. We're going to mature tonight. And we're not going to stop with maturing tonight because tonight is just a night. But as we walk, as we take hold of what God has for us, it turns into a way of life. And, and that way of life is what people see. Yes. They see change when you consistently Go to war with your flesh. And they don't even know what that is. They see you doing something. They see you uh, reading these little note cards at work. Like, man, what are you doing? You hooked on phonics? No, I'm hooked on Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I got something to get to. This life is not where I'm stopping. We got the choice to do that. And, and we see, we see a, a pattern in Scripture, in scripture that we're going to share with y'all. This pattern is... Uh, Megan, you can bring up that slide. We see something. We see an altar experience. A place where a man and God goes, where, where something has to die, but also where a promise is given. And the promise giver is God. Did we see that man and God get up and start to walk? And as he walked, things come at him. Now, 
we're all old enough to know that, that you don't go through life unscathed. It, it's some rough times. It's some hard times. But what we're learning through this life and through the scripture and through what God has shown us is that as we walk, he's building something in us that he's going to use to push forward the generations. Yes. And as you walk, there's a change that happens. It's that, that transformation that Pastor Eric was talking about a couple, a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago. He says that this ministry, that, that, that Christianity, that the Lord is about the total transformation, total, T-total transformation of the human being. We can have that, that 1 Corinthians kind of renewal. We, gonna, we can get out of the grave tonight and every day. Every day you wake up because it, it feels like I'm getting out of the grave when I wake up. But I can choose to walk in this kind of life and be changed forever. Turn to Genesis 17, please. We're going to hop straight into scripture. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, I'm going to ask the question, how many men of God have heard that, have, have heard the Lord say that to them? Walk before me and be blameless. I didn't heard it countless times. I'm, not from anybody else, from the Lord. That's what he's called us to. And as soon as you walk away from the altar, as soon as you walk out of these doors, it's like we drop it. It's like the Lord didn't just say what he just said. But it's not true. The Lord told Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fa fell face down. Abraham's having this, this altar experience. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And we fast forward and we can take a, a peek at God's faithfulness. In Exodus 23, verse 30, God goes and tells his generations how he's going to bring about their promise. The Lord tells the nation, little by little, I'm going to drive your enemy out. Little by little, you're going to see this promise come to pass. But how often do we think that the change happens at the altar? Or the change happens when we get up and walk out the promise. That's when the change happens. And that's what the Lord is calling us to do right now. He's calling us to mature. Can you bring Genesis 32, verse 11, up on the screen, please? Genesis 32, verse 11 says this. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. When we read this story in Genesis 32, Jacob and his family are preparing for an encounter with his brother Esau. Needless to say, because of the past interaction they've had about inheritance, he doesn't expect it to go very well. In fact, he thinks it might be a deadly encounter. But we go on to read in verse 12. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. See, the Lord showed me that here in verse 12, Jacob's remembering the promise of God. He's reaffirming in himself what God has already spoken about his life. When a trial's coming, church, how important is it that we remember the promise that God has already given us for our life? But it's not enough 
just to remember the promise. Because what's he doing in this situation? He's sending family away. He's trying to think, how do I offer an offering that might cause favor? He's not trusting in the promise that God has given him. For just a moment, he's trying to trust in his own strength. But the Lord's gracious. If we skip down to verse 24. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. I've read this scripture many times. Until last week, when I read this scripture, I thought about like WWE. I'm thinking about DDT off top ropes. I'm thinking about a battle to the death. No, I'm serious. How often are we guilty about thinking about just the judgment of God when we get into his presence because we don't try to stay there long enough to shed the sin, to repent, to get clean in his presence so that we can actually have a real honest-to-goodness conversation with God. You see, the word for wrestled here is H-79, abak. It means like dust being kicked up into the air. Several lexicons talk about the notion of grappling. You see, it's not right to think about this verse as WWE. You should think about it like collegiate wrestling. You should think about it two men entangled and entwined around each other. See, when two men are wrestling, what are they really doing? They're grappling a hold of each other. They're entwined in each other. If one man wants to fall down when he's wrestling and the other man doesn't want to let him fall, he can't even fall. The other man holds him up. That's what our relationship looks like with God when we take the time to wrestle with him in prayer. See, what if on this fateful night there was this part of Jacob that wanted to run away from the promise of God? What if there was this part in Jacob who was worried about maybe it wouldn't work and he wanted to run away? And the very presence of God shows up. And it's wrestling and it's holding him close. And he can't run away. That means the next morning... He's still right there, coming into contact with Esau. The next morning, he's able to see God bring the promise in his life to completion. But what would have happened if the night before he hadn't wrestled? What would have happened if the night before he just wrestled for a few minutes and then gave up? No, he actually had to wrestle to the point where his name was changed. 
He had to wrestle to the point where his character, his reputation, his body of work were all different. And what happened? The word for thigh or hip here refers to the ability to procreate, the ability to reproduce. You mean wrestling with God actually didn't just impact him? It impacted the generations that would come after him? And it says his hip was wrestled. You mean it actually impacted his walk? Saints, do we need to wrestle with God to the point where it impacts our walk? Do we need to hold on to what he shows us at the altar? Or are we just going to give up and throw up our hands at the first sign of adversity? See, it's easy for me to say that until I look at my life and look at all the times where I didn't wrestle the way I should. But thank God for messages like desperation that encourage me forward to grab hold of the promise that he's given me and never, ever let go. What do you need to wrestle with and hold on to tonight, church? You know... uh... Something about that scripture that just, it just stops me dead in my tracks is the faithfulness of the Lord. Because <clears throat> you see here that Jacob really didn't initiate that exchange. I mean, he, the Lord knew Jacob had something in him. That if he met him on the road, he just might engage him. But Jacob didn't go looking for the Lord. And I feel like that's a lot of our testimonies in here is that the Lord pursued us long before we were looking for him. See, we, we have to get dead tired. Tired of that way of life. Tired of running into the same wall again and again and again thinking something was going to change. We had to get, get flat broke. But the Lord is faithful. He'll stop you in, in, in a one-way road. Put himself right in front of you and you will not be able to pass. Because he is good. He is faithful. And the Lord just don't stop that. That's not a one-time experience. We're heading on this, this ever-narrowing path. And the Lord is so good to us is that if we try to veer off, if I try to veer off to something that's easier, he'll smack me right, by, right, he'll smack me right back onto the path I'm supposed to be on. How about you? That's a good God. And you think that a good God would, would have that exchange? would stop Jacob, would stop you if he didn't know that Jacob, Jacob had something in him. The Lord was calling something out of Jacob, and he's calling something out of this church. Like I said before, nothing's going to stop us from getting to the fullness. But it's a condition of that. You know why? Because we're going we're gonna to jump in the ring with the Lord. We, I see men wrestling with God. I see men wrestling with what the world says, but saying, nevertheless, God, And what God says trumps all. I see perseverance being worked into into young men in this church. Doing the same thing again and again. Practicing the same spiritual disciplines again and again until it bears fruit. That kind of life will set the whole world on fire. That's what the Lord has called us to do. To shine that kind of light. Take a look at Exodus 3. In verse 13, we see the same pattern. An altar, a walk, change. Exodus 3, verse 13, it says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, 
What is his name? Then, shall, then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, Moses is looking for an answer to a specific question. Much like us most of the time. But God responds by revealing a new name. His Hashem for himself. How often do we approach God thinking that we need one thing? This, Lord, just this, this one thing in my life, Lord. And he responds to what we really, what we really need. And it's his presence. It's his Holy Spirit. It's the determination to continue to build a life of consistency. It's to mature. See, Moses thought he needed a specific answer, but God knew what he really needed. That it was a deeper revelation of himself. It's that intimacy with God. That revelation of his character that will enable Moses to accomplish God's purpose for his life. And if that was true for Moses, how much more us in this day and age? With the things that we're dealing with, with the things that we're wrestling with right now. How much more do we need a revelation of God's presence? We need it bad. In Exodus 4 verse 3, the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You know, we heard about this back at one association. Zeke brought us this word that the Lord had already given some of us a staff and he's calling us to walk in it. So what do you do when a brother, somebody you love comes and bring you a, a love and correction? Something that needs to mature in your life. Maybe you see it in comparison. Like, man, I should be doing that. Oh, man. You get down? You fall apart? No. Not no more, at least. The God has given each and every one of us a staff. He's given, up, given us his authority, his name, to go and to break those chains that we have so we can go break chains off of other people. That's what he's called you to, LCM. Again, Moses asks God a, qu- a specific question, but God responds with so much more. In his wrestling with God, his desire to better know God, Moses is reminded of the authority of God he has already given him. He's shown the staff, God's authority, and told to walk in the strength that he has already been given. Let's take a look at Peter's life. Turn with me to Luke 22, 31 through 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When does it say he's able to strengthen his brothers, church? When he's turned back. Is that when he's succeeded or when he's failed? It's when he's failed. It's when he denied Christ. Although our flesh desires to always get things right the first time. Is that realistic, folks? No. No. Of course it's not. 
We know that's not realistic. However, there's value in the failure and in the struggle because it enables you to strengthen your brothers. How often has one of the elders or pastors encouraged you by talking about a past struggle and how God helped them overcome? These are mighty men of God, and the same incremental process has been fundamental to their walk. Have you allowed the enemy to tell you that your walk should be different? Have you allowed your flesh to begin to win the battle and think that this is a one-and-done process? Church, we have to be willing to wrestle, willing to struggle, willing to get it wrong. Be corrected, grow, and be able to communicate that to the next generation. If I'm always successful in everything I do, I have no hope of teaching Esther how to pick herself up and keep walking. If my brother Nolan never gets anything wrong, how does he know to help Benaiah recover from a future failure? Church, the Lord is so good to us. He doesn't leave us where he found us. He's calling us to more. He's calling us to mature, to grow. What I see in Moses, what I see in Peter, what I see in Abraham, what I see in Jacob, what I see in Steve's life, what I see in my life, is that I'm not the same man I was when he first called me. And I shouldn't be. I should be maturing. We should be growing. And it's a lie from the enemy that says that that's just for a specific person or a specific echelon of Christian. Echelon is not in the Bible. It's not a word in the Bible. At least I don't think. So I'm going to say it's not. (laughs) We're called to live the same way. We have altar experiences. Every one of us. Every last one of you has had an altar experience. Then we're called to go and walk that out. And as you go and walk that out, you experience adversity. You experience persecution. You experience all the hordes of heaven and all the lies of the enemy. You fight with your flesh. You fight with everything. But it don't matter because the Lord said to. And that God who called us to that walk is going to change us. As we we get up off these pews and go out there and try to put into practice what the Lord is showing us, full of faith, the Lord is going to change us. That brings me so much hope. That brings me so much peace. That when the Lord shows me something that I need to mature, it's not a backhanded slap. It's not a, it's not a, uh, he's throwing me into the doghouse. The Lord is showing me this that needs to change in my life because I can live to so much more. I got a free life to be living. And we all call to the same thing. Hebrews 4. You know why we call to the same thing? We don't have the strength in ourselves. You can't just up and decide that, okay, I'm going to be the man of God who God wants me to be. You can't just decide that. Because you don't have the power. You have no power. <laughs> Hebrews 4.14. So you who do, who do got the power. Think about something. He's not dead no more. He's living. He's the living Christ. Yes. 
Now, we can say that again and again and again, but you don't know that he's living right now and he wants you to do more. Just like Pastor Wade wants you to do more, like Pastor Matt wants you to do more, like, like Boz, like Charlie. He's the living Christ calling us to more. And he already knows what we're dealing with. In Hebrews 4.14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, to sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Let us then, because of that revelation, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We got to embrace this. We got we to take hold of this. You know, we, we're going to call this message embracing what you hate or embracing uh, your weakness. But by the end of it, we find out that no, when the Lord shows me there's a weakness, he's actually embracing telling me to embrace my maturity, embrace my call to more. As I wrestle with what God is trying to do in my life and don't let go because he knows that there's something in me that, that has the, the ability to not let go, I will be transformed. It's not an if. It's Peshat. God is Peshat. It's going to happen. We have to embrace the articles of our maturity and face these opportunities with boldness and strength. So I want you guys to repeat after me. You've heard this mnemonic time and again, just tonight. But I want to make sure it starts to work its way down into your heart. You've got to go to the altar. You've got to go to the altar. You've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out. And you've got to allow yourself to be changed. Can God do all the changing, or do you have to walk it out? You have to walk it out. I have to walk it out. My brother has to walk it out. Proverbs 10, 24. What the wicked dreads will overtake him. What the righteous desire will be granted. You know, church, it's a wicked fear that cares more about failure than maintaining shalom with God and living at peace with Him. You've got a choice, church. You can live in fear of failure or participate in the refining process that yields eternal life. You've got to hop into the ring of fire. But God can't put you in the ring of fire. You have to be willing to get into the ring of fire. What's this look like in my life? You guys know that my beautiful, loving Ezer wrestled with me for three years to see Esther come into this world. And you guys know that we're holding on to a promise of Peter Israel who will come. Is it enough to have a promise from God? Or do I have to actually fight for the promise of Peter? Now, if I'm honest with you, church, that's what I got convicted about 
after the message desperation. You see, I'd let my hand come off the plow just a little bit. But if you're holding a plow and you don't have a firm grip, you hit the slightest rock and what happens to the plow? It comes out of your hand. But if you've got a tight grip on that plow, it doesn't matter how many rocks you hit, it doesn't matter how much hard ground you come in contact with, that plow stays firmly in your hand. You've got to make sure you've got your hand firmly on that plow. Amen. We read this in Psalm 84, 3 through 7. Excuse me, 4 through 7. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on a one-time experience. <laughs> It says a pilgrimage church. That's not a one-minute long experience. A pilgrimage doesn't happen at an altar. A pilgrimage happens when you grab hold of the promise that God has given you at the altar and you walk it out outside those doors. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. The NIV offers an alternate translation for Valley of Baca. They say it might also be the Valley of Weeping. It's going to be a struggle, church. It was a struggle to get Esther. It's going to be a struggle to get Peter. But what's it mean when it's a struggle, church? Do you value it more when you finally get it? Is the promise worth more to you when you've wrestled with God and gotten what He promised? They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. See, even in the birth of Esther, I thought, I thought the starting line was the finish line. I thought the challenge was getting my hands on Esther. I thought the challenge was receiving the promise that God had given me. But you see, the Lord's ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Amen. And so what he did is he allowed my daughter to now grow up alongside my niece. And we'll be able to see what God does in her life as she puts this scripture into practice. As she walks the pilgrimage, as she moves from spring to spring, from strength to strength, We'll see her life grow up in righteousness. And we'll see her entire life testify to the world out there what it means to be a Christian. Amen. Don't allow yourself to look at the finish line as if it's the starting line, folks. I'm guilty of having done that. Don't make the same mistake. No, Steve, uh, that, re that reminds me of something. It's brought something to mind. Uh, and I'm going to trust that most of y'all have read this book, listened to it, heard about it. Pilgrim's Progress. Give me some hands. How many have read Pilgrim's Progress? So it's this, this part in Pilgrim's Progress where, where Christian meets Apollyon along the road. Apollyon used to own the city of destruction, we know, and Christian d decided to flee the city of destruction. Good choice. But along the way, he runs into worldly wisdom, religion, I don't know, I can't remember who it was. Bad guy. Uh, and he ended up in the muck, uh, muck in the mire. And evangelism, evangelists had to come and pull him out of that. And so 
Christian runs into Apollyon on this road trying to entice Christian to, you know, go back to the city of destruction. It'll be all right. It's going to be comfortable. We're going to take care of you. Uh, I'm not going to quote a, a past on 59. Um, and so, <laughs> so if he couldn't bribe him, Apollyon starts to sow, like, despair and doubt. Uh, you're not right with God. You betrayed him. You betrayed him on, on the way to the city of Zion. You, you turned your back on him. He's not going to accept you. And it's something that that Christian uh, said. And I feel like it's something that, that we got to say every day in our life. When the enemy starts accusing, or when your flesh starts to make excuses, Christian said, yeah, I, I did that. You're right, I did do that. And much more that you failed to mention. But my God is merciful. So I'm going to keep on moving. And the Lord gave Christian the strength to fight Apollyon. That was a, a, a great book. Uh, Pastor Eric has told us that book so, like, close to the Bible at one period in time. It was a great book. It was only a great book because it was scripture and because it mirrors our lives. Every day we have to decide that no matter what has happened in the past, no matter what we have to endure, enduring that ring of fire, your flesh don't like it. Your, your, your schedule don't like it. The things you're comfortable with, they don't like it. But you have to decide whether or not the ring of fire is worth it or not. Because God's in the ring of fire. He's encircled by it. And he's calling us to the same thing. What you know about the Lord, like your relationship, not your religion, not what you can go in and, and tell somebody. What you've experienced with God. What you've set at home or set wherever and heard from God. That and how you relate to him will affect every experience you have with him. Because one person sees that rebuke, sees that correction as uh, something to run away from. His presence is, uh, is dreadful, is fearful. But to another, it's ultimate victory because they know that the flesh is falling away and what is his is rising. His spirit in you is rising to meet the challenge. That's what we want. Do you want to rise to meet that challenge, church? I want to rise to meet that challenge. I'm not there yet, but I'm going. Are you going to go? Psalm 73. Go ahead. Go. Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good for me to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Church, the Lord is calling us to this this ring of fire. He's calling us to the altar so that we can get up and walk and have a new walk and our generations can have a new walk. He's calling us to, to transformation, to his power indwelling us so we can go out and make disciples, teaching them to obey. This is what the Lord is calling us to, church. But we, have to we have to knuckle up, stare down, toe-to-toe with those things in us that God wants to mature. Because if you're faithful to do that, He's going to be faithful to let his light shine through you. And that testimony of what you experienced with God, of how you wrestled with God and he changed you, of how you overcame all of the devil's schemes, that testimony is what go and breaks, goes and breaks chains. It will give, give somebody the courage to say, hey, you stepped out on faith, so I can step out on faith too because I see your life. I see 
that, that you walk in a little bit different. And I, and I, I want that. Church, I, I want somebody to say that about me. So I have to go and experience it. Will you go and experience that? You decide. It's a question. Will you go and experience that church? Do you want to enter into that ring of fire? Do you want to have that altar experience that leads to a changed walk and a transformed life? Can you put the can you put the image of altar walk change back up on the screen for me? It's easy for me to stand above and talk about how important it is to put this into practice. But sometimes I've got to get the right perspective. Get back down here among my friends and among my family. Because my walk doesn't just impact me. My obedience doesn't just impact me. And in the same way, your obedience impacts my life and the generation that will come after me, and the generation that comes after me. So it's one thing for me to stand on the stage and share this message. But it's another to stand down here and realize the high calling that he's called us to. That we're supposed to go to the altar and not just view the altar as a place where something must die, although it needs to. But the altar is also the place where that promise that we need is granted is given to us, or is reaffirmed by God. We also need to be able to walk it out. I can't walk it out from the stage. I have to walk it out amongst the body of believers. I have to walk it out outside these doors. As I walk it out, are there going to be trials, church? Is it going to be hard, church? How many times have I had to come and find Pastor Wade and ask him to help me? How many times have I been in prison on Sunday morning and not known what was supposed to happen next and I had to look at my brother and ask for his help because I know in part and I prophesy in part. Church, we're all walking this out together. We're going to be changed together. The result of receiving a promise from God and exercising God given faith in that situation That's what it means to be changed. Church, I'll be the first to admit, the message that we're sharing tonight is not a sowed revelation. What we're sharing with you guys tonight is not something that is going to fundamentally alter your understanding of God's Word. But you know what will fundamentally change my understanding of God's Word and yours? Actually putting this into practice. Actually knowing the truth about God at the altar and putting it into practice out there. Trusting that just as Abram received a call years earlier and was still renamed in the presence of God at 99 years old. In the same way, church, we have to walk this out day in and day out together as a family. Now, how do we open service? Open this word. He says Satan is a lying liar. He's a lying liar. So when you come to this altar, when you come to your altar experience, he'll lie to you and say, hey, uh, nothing's going to change. You're going to walk away the same you came. Yeah, we cut that off at the head. 
we decide right now that because the altar experience isn't just where something dies, but it's where a promise is given, and God has always been faithful, he has never slacked on not one of his promises, it's solved. It's, it's, it's absolute. We just have to be obedient. We just have to step into the ring and trust God. Just trust him. Just step into the ring. Face that thing that you don't want to face. Face that thing that, that's been in your lunch all your life. Amen. Face that thing that, that's, that's, been, that's been having you running. Because God is going to burn it up in that ring of fire. Amen. Promise, endurance, transformation, altar, walk, change. This is what the Lord has given us as a means of, of life. That though we were born into sin, with no account of our own and no way to get out of it, the name of Jesus bought our ticket. He bought you a ticket into that ring of fire with a promise that if you step in, and if you hold on, you're going to see him. You're going to see his face. We're going to experience Revelation 22. It's no longer going to be in the book. We have a promised church. Let's take it back to now. Modern day, practical application. With, with words we've just, uh, just heard from sheep to shepherd. By the Lord telling you, that, hey, you're going to go and make disciples. Has the, Lord, uh, has the enemy lied or something came up to where uh, you feel like that's less true than how you felt it was on Sunday? We're going to deal with that. You're going to deal with that because you can. Because the Lord has called you to. See, y'all are different. Y'all are those that want to be near God. People here don't want to just fake it. They don't last. We want to actually experience this. And because we want to experience it, the Lord's going to be faithful to deliver because who you think gave you that desire in the first place? What about majority rules? Have you felt disenfranchised, disadvantaged from the time that word was spoken to now? Maybe. The promise is that we're never, disenfran- we're never disadvantaged. That's the promise that God has given. So you want to see that promise come true? Walk in it. Walk it out. Be blameless before the Lord like the Lord told Abram. And he's going to make it happen. So what are we going to do, church? What are we going to do? We need the right perspective. We need the right persistence. Proverbs 24, 16 says this. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. How many times does it say he falls, church? Seven. Endure the process, and you'll mature in this process. It's okay to fail. It's okay to stretch out and try. If you think you've got a prophecy, 
and you never try to speak that prophecy, will you ever learn? No. Church, you've got to be willing to fight day in and day out and have the right persistence, trusting that if you fall, he'll pick you back up again. We need to see our God rightly. We need to interact and engage with his presence so that we can see the things that he sees, so that we can have the right perspective. We're learning this in, in, in marriage counseling to practice soul submission. When you come into contact with those things that are opposite of what God has said, you come into contact with those things that, that need to mature, your first reaction is soul submission to the Lord. Lord, to you I submit my soul. You come to that, that altar of promise. You say, Lord, you said that you were going to deliver, deliver me blameless before your sight. Lord, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. And I'm not walking away from that promise. I'm walking to that promise. We need to be refined in the controlled fire of God. No temptation has come upon you that you cannot bear. Every, every obstacle, even schemes of the enemy, the Lord will use to prove you, to refine you, make you worth more than gold, your faith. The Lord has called us to be in this refiner's fire. Who controls that refiner's fire, church? He does. Who controls the refiner's fire? God himself. Jesus Christ controls the refiner's fire. When he's the one controlling the fire, what do we have to fear from the refinement process? Nothing. Should inspire trust. It's a question. Are you running away from the opportunities meant to refine you? Have you seen your weaknesses, your struggles, as something to, to run away from? Or from what you now know? Aren't they opportunities? Aren't they things that the, the, Lord, the Lord has put in front of you to wrestle with? So that you can overcome? And build that testimony like, hey, hey, I used to struggle with that. But I faced it. And I overcame. You can too. It's no longer in the realm of impossibility. It's a choice. Ephesians 4.13, this is what the Lord desires. This, this is what gives me the confidence that, okay, when you show me something, Lord, you call me to a higher place. When I realize there's an area that needs to get right, this is what gives me the confidence to approach that with boldness. Until we all reach unity in the faith. All. He don't desire that one be left behind. So let's get moving, church. And in the knowledge of the, of the son, of the, of son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'm telling you, I want to strut. I want to walk boldly. Pastor Wade said it. He enabled us to walk with our, with our heads held high. So what reason do we have to do anything less than the full measure of Christ? We don't have a reason to. Why, why would we choose that? That's insanity. I don't want to choose that. We have to hop into the, the ring of fire, church, so that we can get what we really want. Let's, let's not even act like it's something that, that you want. You, you want to be bold. 
You want to be bold and stout-hearted. You want to go out and, and, and do what he's calling you to do. But it's something in your way. It may be a wicked desire. Maybe your flesh. It may be a discouragement or fear. Feeling like you, like you can't get to it. Whatever it is. What, whatever it is. You put it in the blank. It don't matter. If you step into that ring and you face that fear, if you face that thing that's been holding you back and you walk in it, if you don't fall apart the first time you get it wrong, if you trust God in this process, he will deliver you blameless on that day because his word says it. This is a relationship, church. This isn't about a one-time experience. John 17, verse 3 says this, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Death is an event, but life is in relationship with him. Y'all stand up. Megan, can you put up Numbers 23, verse 19? We come to that place where we decide. We decide today is that day. Today is the beginning of a walk. Today is the day when we begin to change. When chains are broken. Patterns, cycles of disobedience are broken. We decide to face those things that the Lord has put in your path so that you would cry out to him. So that you would cry out for his help. Father, I need you. God, I need you. This, this right here, this area, I need you to come in and help me. Today's the day we call on the Lord because of what this scripture says. God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he promise and then not fulfill? Does he speak and then not act? No, he's not going to put the angel in your path if you're not able to wrestle. The question is, will you wrestle? The better question, will you be free? Will you take hold of the, the full life? See, in Acts 5, when the angel freed uh, the apostles, Peter and John and Paul, not Paul, when he freed them, he says, go and tell the people the full message of this new life, the whole thing. See, I got, I got more life to live. I need to, I need to strut a little bit. I need to walk in a little bit more boldness and confidence because the Lord is going to help me overcome these things. But I don't think that's just me. I think that's you too. And I'm sure... Matter of fact, I'm certain because it's the word that the Lord gave us prayerfully that if you bring those things to him tonight, that if you, if you come to the altar, you don't come down just because of a, a religious obligation, but you come down because you want some freedom. Amen. You want some change. The Lord will meet you in this place. Amen. What Matt said when we got started? He said, the Holy Spirit is here. God wants to fill us with his ruach, his power. He wants to blow in this place. He want to blow his trumpet in this place. But who is he going to do it through? 
He's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you. When you come down here and you lay down those things, and you step into that ring of fire, you face those things, the Lord is going to transform sons of God in here tonight. I feel it in my bones. I, I've never been more sure of it. But it's not about what, I, what I'm sure of. What are you going to do? Because he's not just my God, he's your God. As we close, as we come to an end, let it really be the beginning. As we, as we close this service, let it be the beginning of a new walk, of a new trust in God. Jump into the ring of fire because he's in the fire. Sons of God in the fire. Do we have sons of God in this place? Yeah. Well, do what you got to do. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for meeting us tonight. Father, we're asking God and we're praying that as we come to you, Lord, being built as living stones into your temple, Lord God, that you would burn up those things, Lord. Burn up those things, God, that have been holding us back. Burn up those things, God, that have sown doubt and fear and discouragement. Lord God, we want the fullness of who you've called us to be. Lord, every one of us, Father, not one of us left behind. God, we're asking and we're praying, Lord, that as we come to you, God, Lord God, that we would meet your presence, Lord, and wrestle, Lord, until you change us, Father. Lord God, we love you. We say we trust you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray.